And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. Faint step. Oh, there's a faint from Jake. Oh, mm. Cody. Oh, oh, my God. Down. Lord have mercy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Bruh. New York strip steak. This is the basketball buds. Braised beef short ribs. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. I'm telling you, man, I would whip Floyd Mayweather's ass. (laughs) Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show podcast, Basket Buds Edition. It's Monday, and that means we're talking stuff buds would talk about, huh? This isn't a good intro, but we're going to roll with it. I'm Zach Harper. We got Mo Dakil. We got Dave DeFore. We got Trevon Edwards. We got Jay King. And this week on Buds, we're going over free agency. We're going over some of the key moments of this coming season. But first and foremost, Nate Robinson got knocked the fuck out (laughs) by a YouTuber. And so, little, uh... Background on this weekend is Friday night, Amin Al Hassan and I were doing our, our radio show on Mad Dog Sports Radio. And we had looked at like pictures of Nate in training. And Nate was ripped, right? Because Nate is probably always ripped. I think he's been ripped since he was four. But but he's, he's like he was just cut, and we're like, okay. Like he's yeah. in great shape. This is gonna be fine. And I was like, well, all right, I know Jake Paul has fought before, so let me see what happened last time. So I went on the old YouTube. And I saw, and he fought another YouTuber like in January. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, he's a horrible boxer. Like, mm-hmm. even though he won the fight, I'm like, he's, this is terrible. Like, this is terrible. He Like, this this other YouTuber missed so many opportunities to... Wait, to, you like, did research on the Jake Paul and Nate Robinson fight? Yeah, man. Because we were trying to figure out, like, what... Because Jake Paul was favored. And we're like, okay, hold on. Why is Jake Paul favored, right? Turns out, we found out why last night. But... um so I started watching this fight and I was like, okay, he's, he's terrible. He's like what I would expect him to be. Like he's, you know, he's got his hands up and everything, but there's like, there's just so many openings and all this shit. So, all right, it's going to be, it's going to be brutal for him. Um, and then I would say about 15 seconds into the Nate Robinson, Jake Paul fight, I thought, oh no, <laughs> Nate does not know how to box. And Mike Malloy, uh, comedian Mike Malloy, um, Tweeted after because they had said during the broadcast that, you know, Nate's been training for six days a week uh, for this boxing match. And Mike asked, since when? Monday? Because it did not go well. So, Trey, um, you know, Nate, I think a lot of us wanted to see him beat up a YouTuber. And he like, I don't that first that first knockdown he got punched sort of in the back of the head sort of in the ear they said it was a legal punch that thing looked real back of the head to me so i didn't think it was legal but whatever um but i at first i thought oh he's just kind of like he still had his bell rung because of that first punch that first knockdown but it turns out he just isn't a boxer which is fine first of all listen to the kids bro 
The kids know who who uh Jake Paul and Logan Paul are. They know what's up. Listen to the kids. They on YouTube and making these dudes famous. But yeah, Zach, like what people fail to realize is that for one, black people are not always just going to beat up white people. <laughs> it just don't work that way. <laughs> and then secondly, <laughs> if you're good at a street fight, doesn't mean you're going to be good in a boxing ring. And are you saying right. Nate Robinson is good at a street fight? Well, we like know to, he's not good in the boxing ring. I would like to think Nate has hands outside of the boxing ring. I think if any of us got in a ring for three minutes, that means with conditioning and training, I think we would fare okay. You can't. This it was a that was a a, law, a a great lesson to be taught to America. That's like the guys that just talk stuff on on the couch and say they could do something. <laughs> well, he jumped in the ring, and like Zach said, the the commentator said he had been training for about you know, six days a week or whatever it was. There's guys preparing for fights for a year, nine months, et cetera, to get ready for that particular moment. And how Nate was fighting pretty much, he was aggressive, like as if he was slap boxing or a street fight and was all open and aggressive. And on thing that Paul had to do was step back and it was wide open for the punch. Yeah, use his size, use his reach. And yeah, it was. And once he clunked him, he had two yeah. clean hits and it was he dropped him each time. Paul, I mean, it was Paul looked like a guy who's been learning to box. Right. I mean, like you look at the, the hits. I mean, Paul hits him with an uppercut. And then a hook, like it's, it was just kind of a, a setup. And when you watch Nate, he's coming in, he's throwing a wild swing and then Nate clinching. looked like he was trying to tackle him, Mo. Yeah, he, he yeah exactly. Up. That's all he's it was. It was, it, was, it was a wild swing and then, okay, clinch, <laughs> you know, because he's too close yeah. at that point. It was completely out of control. And, you know, when they say he's been training, I'm like, who's training him? Yeah, there, was <laughs> a point, there was a point where the, the referee stops them from clinching. He's like, He's like, you guys want to have a boxing match? And I and my thought was like, do you know who you're looking at right now? Neither of these guys are boxers. Well, well, to be fair, Paul has been like boxing Jake Paul's a boxer, for two yeah. years. He he's boxed for two years. That's why he felt really confident, and that's why the stakes were really high on him. On and, you know on the gambling side, but the thing is, everybody's just like, mm, I think Nate, Nate Nate Robinson's kind of physically gifted in that situation and maybe skill will win in this situation but like not in boxing bro guys it's guys, technique jake, man. jake paul is more of a boxer than nate robinson but he's mm-hmm. not a boxer there yeah. you go no no I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no, no, I'm, no i'm not giving he's, him that i i think he's about like a club boxer level boxer like he's not that bad he's not uh no, he's like, atrocious no he's not that bad he, he's a lot better than he was in that I'm first ready fight for his next match though yeah um you but know. he wasn't fighting a real fight either and so, I mean, you like Mo just said, he, I mean, he set him up for that knockout, and Nate Robinson did everything he could to help him. I was, I, I was shocked giving, though. As far as all the conditioning goes, man, an listen, excessive, an excessive amount of credit to Jake Paul here. I this mean, is, he beat him. Played it <laughs> of course, he beat him, but neither of them are boxers. Like, no, he's not I, a club level I, boxer. Jake, like, Jake Paul is, a, is not a bad boxer, man. He's not, <laughs> he's not, not even a bad close boxer. to a, an adequate boxer. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to give Jake Paul some credit because Nate Robinson. You're going to give Jake Paul credit. You still won't give the Miami Heat credit. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Paul actually knocked somebody out. The, the Miami Heat. They they were the ones who got knocked out by the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Nate Robinson is one of the most impressive athletes, pound for pound. Like, seriously, he's ridiculous. He was an incredible football player in college. He could have played in the NFL. 
He then at five foot eight or whatever he is, was a slam dunk champion. He is literally one of the best athletes the world has ever seen. And Jake Paul knocked him the fuck out. It's time to put some respect on Jake Paul's name. This I'm not going to go that far, but <laughs> I will say this. Shouts to Nate Robinson getting in the ring because it takes a lot of courage to get your ass beat in front of America. And shouts to him being a Did he need money that sport. badly? No, no. It was more so the things that Jake Paul was saying about his kids, you know, and it was a pride thing after that. And I think that messed up his strategy, too, because he wanted to feel like he can aggressively punk this guy and – you know, the guy just sidestepped and just was like, watch out. Bop. Uh, but let's talk about the memes. Oh. I, I haven't seen memes or anything on the internet be fun like this since Pacquiao. The memes Yo. were brutal. The one I saw I saw this morning, the, the one where it was like, it was the side-by-side of Jake Paul and Muhammad Ali. And uh, someone said like, that was racist. This is going to be up in every white barbershop. Like that one, I, I lost it. The uh, the Somebody wicked they are going to tell, them, witch tell their kids. Oh yeah, and the, and the Lion King too. The, the Simba one asking him to get up was too yeah. much for me, man. I I couldn't handle it. Oh man, the oh, best was Nick yeah, Young man. getting involved, man. Like Nick, <laughs> Nick <laughs> Young coming out. Nick of left Young, field. please relax, bro. Don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't. Well, there were like, people I, coming to to Nate's aid, like he was the victim of a crime, and uh, you know, I mean, damn, he just got, got murdered. Yeah, he just got knocked out. <laughs> The winner this, of the this night is the thing. Snoop Dogg. You know, before that fight, I asked on Twitter, I was like, has Nate ever boxed before? Because there's, look, if you've never been punched in the face, it's different. Like, it's weird sure to get he's punched, been punched in, the in the face. I've punched in the face before. He's I, a not, short guy. But, but not like <laughs> you get punched in a in a fight, right? Like in a in a boxing match. And it's just a totally different experience when you when you take a couple shots and your eyes start to water the first time. It's just, you know, it's different. Dave, have you ever boxed? Yeah, I used to box. When did you box? I boxed as a kid, and then I worked for the State Athletic Commission in Virginia. I love the idea of a, of a kid fight club. Oh, man. <laughs> I so, love the idea. You know, the, the cushion, there's not like, like headgear doesn't really cushion anything. Like, it still hurts like a motherfucker to get punched in the face. And my I, I know my eyes water when I get hit in the nose and not when I get hit in the forehead. So I, you know, I know to dip my head a little bit. I, those are the types of things that, like... If you've just never done it before, you don't know. To be fair, he dipped his head, um, I think, three times as it dipped into the mat. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I've just – I've seen guys, like, working for the the Virginia Athletic Commission, you have to put on, the like, the rough and rowdy fights. Like, those are sanctioned by the state. So, we would be there. And so, you would see what would happen when you'd have guys who had done a little bit of boxing – and the guys who were just like, well, I'm tough or I'm an athlete. And those guys got beat every single time by the guys who had done some boxing. So I wasn't shocked to see that. Jake no, Paul changed I mean, my mind last night. I, I swear to God, I, I walked next to Floyd Mayweather once. He used to come to Celtics games because Isaiah Thomas was his good friend. And I walked next to him. I was like, I was like yo, I, I think I could beat Floyd Mayweather's ass. This dude is no, tiny. No, Jay. <laughs> no, Jay. No, Jay. Don't ever. I swear to God, if you stood even next, before if watching you stood this, next even before to Floyd watching Mayweather, this, no, yeah, yeah, no, no. Even before watching last night's fight, you should never, we, we, ever Jay, have Jay that. Paul convinced me I could not beat cannot. Floyd Mayweather's ass. No, this isn't news to anybody, Jay. Yeah, this isn't like we're not shocked. Like you, that you. Yeah, like this isn't a revelation to anybody. I'm more shocked. 
I'm just shocked that you had the thought that you could beat his ass. I'm actually more shocked by that. Jay. If you stood next to him, he is tiny. Jay, like, I've seen him. He comes to Laker games all the time. He's tiny, man. Like, and he would I, give I, you the business. Yeah, I realize that now. Jake Paul opened my eyes. The worst box or the best boxers in the world can't land a punch on Floyd Mayweather. What part of you makes you think you can? But he, he fights dudes his own size. I'm a beast. <laughs> oh my god, god. Jay, no, no, Jay, clock. I'm not Jay. so sure Jay but we gotta move on to free agency <laughs> oh my god Jay and now I'm just concerned Jay's gonna get his ass beat someday just for this kind of stupid stuff if Floyd's t- listening if Floyd's listening we'll you got one more in you forget Floyd man get get the 10th guy on the, Look, the, I'd the like boxing to see Jay, team I'd like to see Jay King try to fight Tim Floyd let alone Floyd Mayweather like, just Jay a- King would land a single punch Floyd be rolling those shoulders all day until you fell asleep if I landed one punch it's over no, <laughs> no. I promise but it Paul showed me this I guy won't. gets punched for and, a and, living and more importantly Jay by the time you throw a punch and bring your hand back, he's already hit you three times. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, I would whip well, Floyd and, Mayweather's ass. It's funny, Mo. That's actually the thing, <laughs> Wait right? a second. Wait. Hold on. Hold on, Dave, before you make a very excellent point. I just need us to zero in on the fact that Jay, Jake Paul opened up Jay's eyes about 90 seconds ago that he couldn't beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight, and now he's saying he would whoop his ass again. Yeah, but I, I didn't believe it when I said that. I, I know now that he would get me. Oh, 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 oh. So now it's clear. Okay. It, Jake Paul opened my eyes. He, he talked to me. Are there other, okay. are there, so do well, you think you can take the, Pacquiao? Like, are there other boxers you think you can take? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm sorry. I know we need to get the free like, agency, but now like, I'm just shocked. Now I just we don't need, mean taking a curious. fight. I'm saying, like, take to lunch. Who's the smallest, I don't think, like, taking a fight is going to happen. Who's the smallest boxer you think that you couldn't beat? Is it Floyd now, or is it somebody else? I mean... As my brothers pointed out when I tried to tell them this, they were like, so you think you would whip Conor McGregor's ass too? And I was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. What is Jay- happening oh, right now? I, what? Wow. Okay, Jay. Have you ever boxed? Nah. Mo has. Okay. <laughs> See, if, if I had boxed, I'd know how hard it is. But That's I haven't yes. boxed, so now I can just talk reckless. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, talk reckless. It's okay. Yeah. I guess. Well, guys. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, no, no. So uh, Mo was making a good point. Like the counter punching is really where, like, that's where you like. Anybody can throw a punch, but the counter punching is where Jake Paul really, like, you could see where he had been working, and that was how he caught him. And so, yeah, it, that's that's the stuff that people don't think about. It's like this uh, this young lady who was kicking field goal or kicking uh, kickoffs yesterday. If you haven't kicked a ball off a tee, and which a lot of people haven't, or at least in a very long time in particular the people watching this college football game yesterday, you just don't realize how difficult it is to do. I suck at it. I wouldn't want to be up there doing that. And so she kicks a squib kick. I don't know if you guys saw it, and and everyone has commentary. But this Jake Paul thing, I think it's just going to make it worse. I, I mean, we all saw all the other NBA players who wanted to jump in. I guess Aaron Foster wants to fight Jake Paul now. It's going to be funny. Wants to. Yeah, he's going to make a lot of money off this. This is, this is comedy. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, 
and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And maybe maybe one day we'll get that Jake Paul, J. King throwdown. I mean, I think we, we kind of got to make that happen at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of making horrible decisions, let's get to free agency, guys. Um, overall, we know the Lakers, like, dominated free agency, right? Dominated the offseason. And we know Portland did, um, did a great job as well. I want to get into, like, other teams we think maybe – maybe don't have a plan, right? Or maybe they do have a plan. It's just not completely evident. And Jay, I do want to actually start with, with the Celtics who they lose Gordon Hayward. They couldn't, they couldn't figure out a, you know, a sign and trade. They lose Gordon Hayward for nothing. And they pick up Tristan Thompson, which is great. They pick up Jeff Teague, which is whatever they give Jason Tatum the max deal. But what do you think the plan is? Oh, they also lost Brad Wanamaker, which is a big deal. Um, what do you think the plan is for the Celtics moving forward? Like, how how do they add more to this team? I think, I mean, the plan has to be surrounding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with as much talent as possible over the long run. And, I mean, Gordon Hayward leaving kind of pivoted for them. Like, they've been reluctant to pivot from one timeline to the next. They've kind of been trying to run two timelines at the same time since they had Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And now I think it's very clear that the two franchise cornerstones are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And you've got to, over the long run, like try to keep those guys happy. They're on the clock now, like five years from now, Jason Tatum will be in free agency. And I know that people are going to say that it's a long way away, but NBA life moves fast, man, and you can squander opportunities. And I think the Celtics have squandered some opportunities. They've obviously let three free agents go in Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and Gordon Hayward for nothing. And every one of those guys had different circumstances, and it was like you could excuse it all. But at the same time, it's like they had an abundance of riches and now they still have a very good team, but I just think it's going to be harder now that all the picks from Brooklyn are gone and all the the stable of assets is down to like being a really good team that's going to need some luck to to get a to become like a, a title favorite at some point in the future. That's a sneaky thing about losing Hayward for nothing is that they didn't recoup any any extra assets. They didn't get any trade exceptions. They didn't get you know, they could get a trade exception. That, I don't think that's like totally out of the picture right now. Oh, okay. I, I didn't realize that that they hadn't made a decision on that yet. But it, it, hopefully, they can get that because it's another team building tool that they just don't have access to otherwise. 
And that's the the thing about them losing Kyrie and and Al and Gordon for nothing. And is that just a philosophical thing at this point where they're just not willing to pull the plug early? I think well with Kyrie everything just went sour so quickly. Right. And it was like everything was perfect. He declared he was coming back if the Celtics fans would have him. And and then like three months later, he had one foot out the door. You know, so that well, that was would they? And, and you know, and, and maybe they, they didn't want him. And and maybe it maybe that's their fault for you know putting their chips into a guy who's pretty unreliable. And I think there's definitely an issue with that. Um, but like they've had big dreams. They they wanted to you know go out and try to acquire Anthony Davis. Obviously. That never happened. They they wanted to, you know, be put together as kind of a super team. And at, at one point, it looked like they had enough assets to maybe do that. They're not a super team. And that that's pretty clear. Um, but they still do have a lot of talent. And they still have young guys they can build around. But it's just they don't have the abundance of riches that they looked like they could have had a couple of years ago. I mean, they're, they're the average team now in the sense of, asset building and things like that before they had so many assets you felt like eventually they're going to make this massive move which never really came but you know now they're just back to the normal level that everybody else is for the most part you know except for the teams that gave away their entire drafts uh over the next few years for superstars like this is the thing that they're now playing on the the same playing field as most people whereas before they were up a notch and they just didn't take advantage of it yeah, and I think honestly, like Danny Ainge deserves credit for putting that together. Like, as as my brother likes to say, like part of being a good GM is being able to take as many swings as possible. And and Danny gave himself a lot of swings, but he doesn't have as many swings anymore. And and that's that's the fact of the matter. Like, so many teams would like to be where they are, but it's just it's going to be harder than than people thought to kind of build the the title favorite that. They wanted to build that they've wanted to build this whole time i'm curious how much of this is like them not being in the mix for anthony davis back when he wanted out right because it did maybe i'm wrong on that but it did feel like that was their goal like hey man when anthony davis becomes available we're gonna go get him and then it turned out it was like yeah he just wants to be a laker like that's not really a thing like he just wants to be a laker well he very Um, specifically did not want to be a celtic too yeah and so and like i wonder how much of that was a gamble on you know just a a failed gamble on like because they they just kept building this this treasure chest or treasure chest of like assets and things to move and everything and then all of a sudden it was like it's just not there anymore yeah and i i think like if if things had stayed good with them and Kyrie. Like maybe they would have been where Kyrie and Kevin Durant would have wanted to team up because obviously those guys wanted to play together <laughs> and they engineered their way to play together. And maybe it could have been in Boston, but when everything went wrong with Kyrie, like that that obviously impacted Al Horford's decision. And maybe the Celtics dodged a bullet there because Al's a little older and probably won't be worth his contract over the next three years. Um, but just to lose all three of those guys for nothing is tough. Um, is, is there a problem, Jay? Like that's three guys that they've lost for for essentially nothing. Maybe the trade exception for Hayward comes through, but you know, after making a big deal of when they f- signed Hay- uh, uh, Horford, it was like, wow, we finally were able to lure a big free agent, and now you're not able to keep those guys. Like that's kind of 
a little bit of a eyebrow raise for me too, where I'm a little bit like, what's going on? We get the Kyrie reasons, but yeah. like these other guys kind of just want to gave just bounce. Danny Ainge too much credit, man. I'm with that, Trey. Like, mm-hmm. I think for what he's done and everybody was like, what is the, the Brooklyn trade? Ever since that, like, and, you know, moving past that, you know, he's not who he says he is, you know, like they've swung and missed. Like I, I do like the development in that, you know, Tatum and uh and, and Brown are, are are the face, but you know, all the other moves that they made, I didn't see them as the biggest winners out of these situations. So um it falls back on Ainge and and you know, obviously they're not a bad team and you know, they're they're reaching where they they're where they want to reach, but it's also to a point of you know, the fans want championships and that's a storied franchise known for championships. So when are, when, when is Ainge going to deliver that? You know what I mean? And I think with the pieces that they have, I mean, I like with the Thompson signing and, you know, letting guys, a couple guys walk or the guys that they couldn't deliver. That's a, that's an issue. Well, and Trey, I wonder how much of that is. I wonder, I wonder what the Isaiah Thomas thing did because everyone knows it's a business and, and, you know, I, I think, I think everyone would have kind of made the same move in terms of like front office stuff. But Isaiah mm-hmm. seems to be so well liked that and I'm not saying like it was like, oh, they did Isaiah dirty. I'm never going to be a Celtic or anything like that. But I do think that stuff affects how people view the organization and trust in the organization. And it's a good organization. Right. But I try. I wonder how much the Isaiah Thomas stuff affected that, that perception. Oh, it affected so much. You know what I mean? Because, again, he he. The thing about IT, he's one of the most likable guys in the league as far as when it comes to the players, you know. And the fact that he's in a situation where he probably won't even get a camp invite, it just shows enough of what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a guy that was an all-star, a guy that played hurt, a guy that, you know, during the time of, you know, his sister's death, he's played and won games, like won big games for them only for the organization that, you know, trade him off or kind of like banish him away for, for other goods, you know, in a scenario instead of taking care of their own because it's rare. So I'm not mad at guys when they go sign with other teams because there's no true loyalty in the scenario, you know, and, and Boston's truly showed that, you know what I mean? Like obviously the guys that they've let go or they traded off haven't been like, you know, become some, something big elsewhere, but they also didn't help Boston elevate to another level. You know what I'm saying? That just kind of notched up, you know? So go ahead, Dave. Yeah. The Isaiah Thomas thing is just funny. Like they traded him for a better player. And I get that, you know, the whole contract thing that didn't come to, to fruition for him. But at the end of the day, guys get traded all the time. I don't, I don't get why people would hold that against the, the organization. And and I, I don't think the organization, Dave, put Isaiah's health oh for sure at the forefront and I think Definitely when you not. do that it looks like hey we use this dude and then we shipped him off for someone else like I'm with you they traded for a better player yeah. there's nothing wrong with that move they gave up real assets and and a good player to do it but it looked like they had just used Isaiah when he was you know when his hip goes bad and was, they were like oh we're still gonna well, use him use him use him and now now we discard him the organization but is also- damned if they do and they're damned if they don't right like the the option uh, ultimately rests with the player like you can play through this injury or not i uh, mean do we I, want I think, the teams I mean, it gets back into the kevin durant decision okay, but though, in the finals you- right where it's like 
I think there are times you've got to keep a dude from himself, especially okay. when it's an Achilles or a hip. But when it goes, are the players empowered or not? You know what I'm saying? Like, do, do the teams need to protect them? Well, if so, then should the teams also have protections for, for themselves? You know, when the players for- are trying to, to force themselves to other teams and stuff like that. So they do. I, I mean, I think if a guy wants to play hurt, now I'm, I'm against it personally, agreement. but you've got to give them the choice to do it. And I, I think they did. But it goes further than that, than just the IT stuff. I know that was the crescendo, mm-hmm. but it's the number of times we hear about, you know, they're building a, a treasure troll of, of assets so that they can trade for Anthony Davis. Like those guys hear that they're going to be involved in trades for two years. You know, it's, it's, it's the view that some players feel like they're it's coming like being in on there a LeBron and they're going to be in. Well, it's no, it's different because in the sense of this is the front office telling you like, yo, you're, you're going to be traded at some point for the superstar. Like we're just developing you so that we can get to that next level. And that's fine. And every team's going to do that in that regards. And it's, you're right. It's, it's, Kyrie was a better player than IT. You make that trade, I think, 10 out of 10 times. But it's the notion of it constantly keeps happening in Boston where you just keep hearing about Danny comes out and how we almost trade made this trade. We almost made that trade. And the players there are thinking, like, wow, like there really is no loyalty here. And there's not a lot of loyalty in any organization, but there's a level of that feeling, I think, where more of that comes from Boston just because you always kind of just hear that, like, they're looking to make this next move. You know, you always hear about the next move for them, and that creates tension within the locker room for guys. I mean, there's talk of every year Marcus Smart's going to get traded, right? Like there's always – or should they trade him or whatnot and things like that. So I think it's just kind of building up to all that, and I think the Isaiah Thomas thing was the tipping point. I also think that – I think that on the idea of like player empowerment and players should be able to play through injuries if they want, like we've seen that with the Achilles and with the hip. Mm-hmm. dudes flat out don't come back right like it's oh, yeah. rare that a dude comes back and so i think those are the affected areas i think it's on the teams to be like hey man like no we're going to value your future and we're going to live to fight another day and, right? but and that because because those injuries are debilitating like those injuries that in that hip injury cost isaiah thomas probably 200 million yeah a lot of money no, right. Right. i'm with you i'm with you just from a personal perspective right <laughs> But it, it, I think it's, it's also, a good business pra- practice, though. I think it like, is for the teams, but for the players, oftentimes it's not. I mean, it performed while hurt, and I think that that he just thought everything was going to be fine and it was worth the risk. Clearly, we know better in hindsight, but it's hard. I, I mean, I can understand as an organization it being hard to tell a guy, "Hey, you just can't play," it, well, even when you is, feel like you can. But this isn't this isn't to like belittle the players or whatever. But like, right. isn't that where it's the 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 organization's job to be the adult in the room of like, oh, yo, yeah, you have a sure. hip injury. No, you're not playing. Yeah, we know you can. We know like, but no, we value the like you're a long term part of our plan instead of looking like you've used the player mm-hmm. and now let's send them off. Yeah, because that this for this sure is, is how it came across with it. This is a super complicated discussion, especially when it relates to IT, because if you remember that playoff run when he ended up doing further damage to the hip, his sister passed away the day before the playoffs. For sure. And he has said since that he would not change that because he wanted to play for his sister and he wanted to keep going no matter what. And so he said that since, like after all the bad stuff happened with his hip, he has said that. And so I I think – like it's a really complicated discussion with him um, and how the Celtics handled it. 
and how they should have handled it. And I mean, in retrospect, knowing what we know now, which is that Isaiah has never looked even close to the same and that, you know, he could be out of the league that he doesn't have a contract right now. Um, like it, it's, it, it looks like he's definitely should have sat out. Um, but at the time, like number one, he wanted to do it for a sister. And number two, he was playing incredibly well. And I think he wanted to keep that going. Um, but obviously, yeah, like it's, it's, it's hasn't worked out well. And it definitely looks bad on the Celtics for sure. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, but here's the thing, Jay, and we can move on to another team after this, but like, you're right. His sister passed away and he went out and played, you know, the, the next day, right? And I'm sure he wouldn't change that moment. He played 14 games after that game on a bad hit. And it's not like, like, oh, we evaluate before the playoffs and it's good. Like, they're evaluating that thing every single day. That's my issue with it. Like, it's not a, this isn't a, oh, well, he played in this game, so he got to play in the rest of them. Like, and granted, he had one of those games, he dropped, what, 50-something Yeah, on the Wizards, yeah. right? Like, he played incredible, but it's a hip injury. Like, I just, I look at that, I'm like, yo, it's a hip injury. That's the that's the biggest killer for NBA players' careers, is when the hips go. And if that happened, and I just think it was, I think it was negligent. But I do, and I think that, you know, to Trey's point, like, because everyone seems to love, love Isaiah, like, that's going to, that's going to resonate tougher than than a, it happening to a lot of guys oh yeah that's for sure i mean listen just uh, anthony davis is it uh, was his dad that pointed that out publicly i mean he's the only person maybe that said it publicly but that's stuff that people talk about yeah uh what about the rockets do we we know that their plan blew up in their face but now do we What's feel like the they're, just gonna, they're just gonna roll <laughs> well the plan gonna, was get james Harden mvp I think, <laughs> right. stand, I think they stand pat Right. They don't trade their guys. I think they did a decent job bringing in, you know, a non-guaranteed Boogie Cousins. You got Christian Wood, who everybody's been gushing over Um, and just just try it out. I mean, no expectations in this situation. I mean, how everybody's viewing it, they see the Lakers as the repeat or no one contending with the Lakers outside of the Brooklyn Nets. And it shouldn't be no pressure from the Rockets in this scenario. Now, if guys start, you know, throwing tantrums and, and taking shots media-wise, then it becomes an issue. But, like, they have all the leverage in the world in this scenario. I'm not trading James Harden if he wants out. Like, I mean, no matter what he says or what his camp says. You know what I mean? I have all the leverage, and I'm only going to listen to deals that works best for me, you know? But I'm not sure how Tillman's going to operate this scenario or the new GM, general manager um, moving forward because 
you still have pieces that are, you know, if, if you're thinking about like how Presti's handling the scenario and getting and taking care of for the future, you don't want to get burned in the scenario and just give in because you felt like Harden gave you all what he can do. And now let's reward him. It doesn't work that way. Even though this is a player's league, they need to stand pat and say, oh, so, 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 uh, you know, good luck with that. Like you still, yeah. you still on contract with us. <laughs> Basically like, yeah. listen, you're going to play. We know right. we know yeah. you like to play. Yeah. We know, we know you, know like, you like to play. It's not football. You're not going right. to go just say, "All right, I'm going to go take a month off." Like you There's like no money. Yeah. You're just going to hoop, and I, who cares if you're not happy? Oh well, you know what I mean. Like it, it, it is what it is. You know, like obviously for for selfish purposes, like, I would like to see James and Russ in a different scenario. But you know, from if I'm the team's governor, you know, I'm not moving those dudes. Has you that worked for here. anybody though? What? Like has any franchise, no. and I'm, I'm legitimately asking a question: Has any franchise like salvaged a situation where a superstar wanted out and then ended up being happy in that situation Kobe? over the long term? Kobe and the Lakers. yeah, Kobe's the only one that I can I think mean, of, right? But you know, but even if it's not a long term success story, Jay, like the thing is. You know, and, and Trey's right. The Rockets have all the leverage. Like, okay, he wants to go play for the Nets. The Nets don't have a package that's going to move them. If they're going to move hard and they want young guys, they want draft picks, all that stuff. I mean, half of their draft picks are going to Oklahoma City for Russ. So, you know, they want to kind of replenish that cupboard a bit. And I just think that's the big thing is nobody really was willing to put together the the massive offer for James Harden and he was kind of limiting it saying I only want to go to Brooklyn I think there was a a run a little bit where maybe Philly because of uh uh Daryl Morey but if he's not going to put Simmons on the board there I doubt that trade's ever going to happen so I think it's just one of those instances where they're just like hey let's just play it out a year like I honestly think this is Harden's last year with the the Rockets I think they'll play out this whole season I think they'd like to move Russ if they could find a deal that makes sense but I don't know if there's much of a market to meet Russ's uh request you know if you're Orlando or Charlotte or the Knicks go get him yes yes get him what are you doing (laughs) Russ is good Russ is nobody I would want to lead my team to a title but go be in it like Russ like Tom Thibodeau wants to win games. Russ can win you games. They can make put the playoffs. You in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I think no. so. Wait, no, he's going to put them in the, at least in the play in game. Yeah, right? I, like, you're right. I think they could get to the 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about right. Like for me, actually, I like what the Knicks are doing, which is basically not doing anything stupid. And even going to get Russ is, you know, and giving up a bunch of assets to try to but, get him and what, be entertaining and, and, what assets? Whatever, just like future, what, future have, draft picks. Just future draft picks. You have to give up. Do you have to give up anything that's likely to convey as a first round pick for us? I don't think so. You're taking on a, that massive deal. Yeah. See, see that, like, that's I why I don't think. I don't think this is a. But, hey, well, we got not, this for but, us. So. But, at the same time, you're not getting anything really back either. Because look, Russ and, with Thibodeau, come on, he's going to get his body run into the ground, and he won't make you, it the whole season. See that? Um, you know, I'm with you maybe. on I'm with you on Orlando. I'm with you on Charlotte. Go be exciting and whatnot. I like what the Knicks are doing. Just saying, hey, we're gonna be bad. We're gonna so far. I mean, listen, this could change in like twenty. Mo just wants right? the Knicks to not be awful. I think. I want, the, I want them to I want build. The Knicks I want, to be good. I would. Love I want the Knicks them to, to build. Good. I want long term success for the Knicks. It's been just you know every time they get a guy, a new front office guy, they go make a splashy move or something like that, and it always blows up in their face. They just never really build anything. I'd like them to build. Right, but we got to stop pretending, or not us. So we're not pretending, but they've got to stop pretending that like you're going to go be 
in the mix for those free agents. Those he, those huge free agents. They're not. They never No, they're are. not. So Build go through trade the draft. for a dude. Build through the draft is really my thing. Just build through the draft and then let's see how it kind of comes together. Because like, you know, the Lakers were constantly trying to do that, right? Swinging for the fences for uh, big names were striking out in free agency. Didn't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant uh, when he was when during the, Kipes, uh, the, the cap spike year, you know, and, and, and all of that stuff. It was like an embarrassment for them. They just they loaded up on draft picks. They were bad. They got young talent that, you know, had some sort of value. And then they were able to flip that for AD. I think that's kind of what's going to happen for the Knicks if they play it the right way. You you actually think that's going to happen for the Knicks? At some point, could. a star is going to want to play yeah. there in New York. If they not, do it right. This is, the, the if, day if after James Dolan sells the team. I mean, just think about that's this. That's certainly possible. Think, <laughs> just think about but, where we're at with this, right? Like, we we are all just kind of happy to, to watch the Knicks make a couple of smart, low-dollar low value, short-year signings pick up a couple of second round picks and we're all just like, Oh wow. It's a new Knicks regime doing basic stuff. <laughs> it's shocking. I mean, so I, I think that, you know, clearly they have a lot of rehabilitation of their image to do, but this was a good start. They've not done anything silly. And that's such a huge improvement for this team. Can't wait till they traded for John wall tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I'm, Kind of talking myself in the Pelicans. Oh, interesting. Well, it was like a because I was ready to punt on them once I got rid of Drew. And you know, I'm not the biggest Eric Bledsoe guy, but they got Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe replacing Derek Favors and Drew Holiday. It's a downgrade at point guard, but that's a big upgrade at center. I like I like the kid uh, Kira Lewis though. Like yeah, I like him too. But like him as a backup to to Bled, like that's that's a nice combination. And plus Lonzo. Pushing the ball like Trey, that's a it's, nice combination. Yeah, no, nah, they got they got they got like a nice they got a good problem at guard. You know what I mean? Like this is the thing. I mean, people don't aren't fond at at Bled, but Bled's fast and they want to run. Any defense, he, and he drives a lot. You know, and they have defending guards. That's the thing. Yeah. So I think that this is actually, uh, you know, they moved in the right direction. You know, in the scenario, and then I'm curious to see how Adams and Lon- and uh, Zion plays together. But I still think it's an upside from Jackson Hayes or whoever they would have signed as a filler, you know? Yeah. Because Adam's they're gonna have young, a, he can pass. Uh, he has a oh. soft touch. My question is, Zach, what, when you're you're beginning to talk yourself into the Pelicans, what does that mean? Where yeah. do you like, see them? Like I was like it, easily in the mix for the eight seed. Whereas Ooh. once they had traded Drew, I was like, oh, man, all right, I guess okay. you know, they're, they're like 12, 13, somewhere in there. This but is like also they, why I kind of hate the playing game because now it's ten teams that make the playoffs. Hate it feels the playing game kind of, kind of in that sense of like now it's ten teams. Now yeah. it's two thirds of the league makes the playoffs. So it's 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 that's my my real problem with the playing game. Yes, I get it. I I have my own issues. Um, but yeah, like it would really suck to see Zion in a winner takes all scenario. <laughs> yeah, it'd, be, it'd be awful. Yeah, to have we had teams a, we had, we had, a, wins we had a chance of just like, and the you know, punting on the sucked. season a month and a half left. You know, no, listen. We have all the, the whole regular seasons to play in game to me is in that sense. But that's whatever. I get all the reasons why we have it. But in that sense, it's like so now when we evaluate teams, OK, is this a playing team or is this a real playoff team? <laughs> yeah. OK, so now so we have another thing to, to assess instead of like, is this team going to punt in March? 
Well, I guess yeah, it's not it anymore, is. but in a normal season, March. I, hope, I do hope that that's the, the, the side benefit of this is that we do get the like a race for the 10 seed to try to get a shot at the playoffs. Like, I really do hope that that happens. I don't think it, it's going to necessarily, but I do hope it happens because, Man, you, you know, know how many owners want playoff revenue. I know. I, no, no. But I, there are also teams that are just going to tank anyway, and they don't want to ruin that tank. And, and especially the next few drafts. I hope that we get that race for the, you know, for the 10 seed. I think it will add some excitement. I'm with you. I think, I think new Orleans is probably one of the play in teams in the West, they're going to have a hell of a running game with, with Adams and Zion. I mean, good luck doing anything inside against that team and they should own the glass. This was actually a a big thing with Zion last year. I didn't think he rebounded nearly as well as he did in college. And, you know, Mo and I talked a lot about how bad his defense was. Well, the excuses are out the window now. Presumably he'll be in shape. He'll be healthy. He's going to have a solid center. You know, I, I've got my opinions on Steven Adams right now. I want to see what he looks like under He's normal good, circumstances. He he did not look good physically in the bubble. I, I thought he looked at least a step slow. And yeah, but I, I, I'm not again. I, I'm, I'm trying to throw that out. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to throw that out. It's just tough because it's the last thing I saw. So I want to see what he looks like uh, with these guys, but also. I want to see Zion at the five because I think when you've got a team like this with these athletes, Eric Bledsoe, get that guy out in transition. Stan's only doing that if he puts his ass in defense like that. I know. (laughs) Everything everything comes down to Zion for the Pelicans, man. Everything. And and we know he's going to be a dunk and layup machine. He's the closest thing we've seen to Shaq since Shaq in that regard. But can he play defense? Can he be in shape? Can he stay on the court for more than however many minutes per game? Can he be available? That's that's those are the questions that are going to define what the Pelicans do because the rest of the supporting cast is fine. They have competent NBA players everywhere, but but they need that guy. They need Zion to be a huge huge plus, and I think he has that potential if he stays in shape and Stan Van Gundy can convince him to play a little bit of defense. He played he played some defense in Duke. It wasn't like he was like a total. It's easier to play defense against the the ninth man from Boston College. That's fair, but like he tried, which was an upgrade over what he did in New Orleans, and maybe that's yeah. But he was, he was in also in, he was also in better shape. I think college, he right? never like, had his feet yeah. under him last season. I, I I honestly believe that he looked so different uh, from from an engagement standpoint as as a rookie that than he did in college and in anything else I've seen. So I think he just. You know, having the knee issue, the conditioning issue, then obviously the hiatus didn't help him. And then he missed time. Remember, he had to leave the bubble. I I just think he never got his feet under him. And I'm excited to see what this guy can do, you know, healthy and and ready to go. It just sucks that we've got these abbreviated camps. Um, So what did we what did we make uh, before we go? The health and safety protocol. Um. I'd skim through it. I'll be honest. I didn't read that. I know some people are like, I read the whole 134 pages. Why? Someone's going to break it down for you. Yeah. You do the athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like a good plan. You I, know? I guess. But but <laughs> you look at what's happening in football right now. Yeah. Uh, you look yes. at what happened in baseball. Like, at least they're, like, they're building in 
Yeah. Like Trey, the fact that they're only releasing the first half of the season schedule and then they're like, yeah, we'll figure it out later. Well, here's the thing that's interesting. They're, they're starting the week off with individual workouts. Like that should be already a sign of like, here we go. Let's give it a shot. And then they meet like another week for group workouts. And it's just kind of like, this is an NBA league. Like this is a league, you know, like the main league, not the D league. I mean, a G league or any B level type stuff. This is the main league trying to figure this out and trying to get guys to even be disciplined. Think about, if we were to not mind our business and go on Instagram and look at family pictures of Thanksgiving and how many people are in the house, do you think guys are really about to lock in and live in a bubble? I think the guys that really want to do it is probably Chris Paul, LeBron, like where he has just his own little pod or apartment (laughs) where he just like has no contact with anybody. And Trey, just I, saw, just, Trey, I saw someone I know on Instagram go to Vegas for Thanksgiving. Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? I mean, hey, man, it, the priorities are different, man. People need to get their fix. It is what it is. But, you know, as far as they're, they're even testing cardi, cardi, uh, cardio now, too, the, for, for heart stuff, because it can affect that long term now, what they're finding out. So, um, yes, I mean, I, I, I hope as a fan and, and, and as a person who covers a game that we do successfully make it through 72 games, but I can see the cases happening, man. Just like football. Yeah. Uh, you have to expect the cases to happen. This isn't the bubble. To, yeah. you're, you're, you're going to have this, you're going to have outbreaks. Like there's just, you can't have this many people, this much traveling and things like that. This is going to happen. I think the NBA is, smart enough to have that understanding. Did I see somewhere where they're going to have like teams are all required to have like contact tracers and all sorts of different specialists and things around. So, you know, I think they're trying it. It's just get ready, folks. It's going to be crazy. And it's like, there's also a degree of a bailout coming. You know what I mean? I, I think that a little bit of their, their factoring in is we got this vaccine rolling out. And I wouldn't be surprised to see NBA players at the front of the line. Yeah. To a, I, right. And, yeah, and baseball right, yeah. is going to get lucky with this too, because you know, they're going to, they're planning to come back March, April. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that the deployment of the vaccine makes all of this stuff moot. It would be fantastic. That would be it, great. Right. For everybody. Like that yeah. would be the Christmas present we all need. Um, I, I really hope that the NBA is still going to take it seriously because like, it's not a panacea. There's going to, you know, like we're not going to just have the vaccine come out on a Monday and everybody's able to go to games on a Tuesday. Right. Yeah. And and so the plan looks fine. I mean, you know, it's as good as any plan that any other league has put together. They know they're probably going to run into positive cases and you just have to be able to take those bumps and move on. Um, But it does seem like they're going to be safer than some of the other professional sports have been. So. I think we're going to see like back to back to backs in that second half of the season as they try to squeeze these games in. Oh, it's going to get wild. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be pretty rough. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Basket Buds, the Athletic NBA Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate, review, do all that stuff. Uh, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that crap <laughs> to juice the logarithm. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, what else we got? Um, oh, the restricted area. That's what I meant to plug. The restricted area this week. Wozni Lambert and I go down the rise 
and fall of one Russell Westbrook. So we'll get into that. It's a very fun episode. And make sure you're checking out uh, Tampering, Hoops Adjacent, Point of Contention, Nerdish She Wrote. Make sure you're checking all the writing. I think it's like I think it's like a dollar a month right now for the athletic. There was some glitch of a of a deal that happened for Black Friday. So I, I think that's still going. That's still going. Make sure you get yourself a subscription. Because that is pretty much giving it away. I think I saw someone say it's cheaper than any textbook you'll you'll get if you're if you're a student. So if you're if you're a journalist, students student, read textbooks. They buy them. They students read Zach Harper. They, I didn't. Look at me. <laughs> yes, look at you. Zach. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe read those textbooks, but also subscribe to the Athletic. Make sure you check out all the other shows. No dunks. All the team specific shows right here on the Athletic Podcast Network for Trey, for Dave, for Jay, for Mo. I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked in on the Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.